And welcome back in Stripe Show Podcast. Thanks for making us part of your day. 120th plan, United States Open Championship in the books up there, Westchester County, Wingfoot Golf Course. The West Course, there's actually two courses there. There's a West and an East, both of them championship material. The West Course on full display, tough test. Guys were battling it out, and uh, Bryson DeChambeau, well, he just kind of bullied his way through. Minus six. Wins by six, and the only guy on Sunday that was under par, three under par, next best handful of guys right there at even par. So much to talk about the fascinating, intriguing person that is Bryson DeChambeau. And I welcome in uh, the host of the Shotgun Start, contributor to Golf Channel Morning Drive, and uh, one of the best golf writers in the game, Brendan Porath. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Travis. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me on. I don't know if I'm one of the best golf writers, but I am a golf writer. Yeah, you, know, you occasionally. So. Yeah, you are. You're one of the <laughs> best <laughs> golf personalities. How about that? Right. All yeah, things. It's go. not just writing. It's it's TV. Yeah. It's uh, podcast. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. There's a yeah. People ask me like, "What do I do?" It's uh, there's no real specific thing. So. Well, we got a lot to talk about here, man. Yeah. Um, six under the big bad. Wingfoot got pushed around a little bit by the 235-pound linebacker that is Bryson DeChambeau. What would you make of it? Uh, I thought it was a great U.S. Open. I think, you know, as is tradition now with the U.S. Open, it seems like so much of the oxygen and ink is consumed by the chorus and the setup. And I I guess I I need to ask some historian, someone who's, you know, more well-versed in this than I am, when this became you know, the all-consuming identity of the U.S. Open. When did it? When did we determine it had to be even par? When did we determine it had to be thick, rough? Or when did we determine it had to be, you know, carnage? I, I, I don't think it could not have been that every year, right? Like yeah. there are years when um, the players are going to be under par or there are years when, like in Aaron Hills, maybe when it's not necessarily the thick, rough right up against the 20-yard fairway. But somehow mm-hmm. this has become the microscope and the lens with which we view the U.S. Open. Wingfoot is mint. It's a historic course. It's one that should appropriately be on the U.S. Open rotation. I think what we have coming out of it is we're talking a little bit less about Bryson's play and more about how the style of play that and how different it looked from 06 and how, you know, you've got a course that's supposed to really be uh, – deliver a winner that's plus five or even par, whatever it is. Um, It seems like we're talking a lot about where the game is at right now, uh, vis-a-vis Bryson's style of play on this, what is supposed to be style of course where fairways are supposed to matter. And clearly they did not. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, you, you know, you've got 23 of 56 fairways hit by Bryson. That's the lowest ever in the U.S. Open. But when you give it context, Bryson, that's 41%. The field average was 39. Yep. Yep. (laughs) You know, now you've got a guy hitting at 325, 330, and he's hitting more fairways than the field average. That's a huge advantage. Um, Take even the average out of it. Like take the the best driver, Brendan Todd. Or, you know, I think he was hit the most fair. It's like that just doesn't matter. That's not that we have strokes gained now to sort of illuminate what matters and what doesn't. And we know even at a place like Wingfoot, where it's allegedly you know the five inch rough and the the hack out sideways type of rough, it didn't matter. Strokes gained illuminated that. It, it's it's hitting it as far as you can. And here this week, especially hitting it so far that you're now at a wedge distance 
or short iron distance as opposed to hitting a five iron like Hale Irwin or a two iron out of rough that which you know you just can't do or you wouldn't do. They hit it 370 into a wedge distance and the rough is kind of nullified. It doesn't matter. And Wingfoot has a bunch of open greens, right? A bunch of you could run it up there. And so like even Bryson was better than field average, but the guy who was like the very best at hitting fairways, it didn't matter. And sort of the strokes gained bear that out. Hitting fairways, just it, it's it's about getting it up there as far yep. as possible. That's right. So. I mean, when you're 20 to 35 yards up there further yeah. right, and you're in the rough now, granted the ball's sitting down, but to your point, you can chase it up there. And the fairways were so tight, you know, that it just everybody was having a hard time hitting fairways. So right. it, it really hand out and played uh, into the big hitters hand, which is USGA. Now. I mean, you look at them now, historically your winners, 2016, Dustin Johnson, Kepka goes 17, 18, uh, Woodland in 19. Now Bryson in 20, what's the common denominator there? I mean, you know, these guys let's hit as far as we can. Let's go find it. And yep. then, and then let's roll the dice. And I, I think when I look at Bryson and I was making my picks, I like to play DraftKings and I do a show mm-hmm. for them. And, you know, I kind of, I found myself shying away from Bryson just a little bit because I didn't particularly like the way he was trending in the approach game. And I thought his touch around the greens was, you know, had room for improvement. When you dig deeper with Bryson, the real story here, strokes and approach just under seven positive third for the week and short game plus five uh, second for the week. Bryson hit his irons extremely well and he found his touch around the greens and and I'll, and I'll admit I didn't see it coming into Wingfoot. Yeah, totally. I think that's, uh, yeah, I can, I completely agree with you. And, and, you know, we could talk about people scoffing at his strategy of, of hitting it as far as possible, but like that was sure. You can doubt him for that. I don't know if that's right, but he hadn't played great. Like you're talking right. about and really since Detroit, he, he, he factored at the PGA, but he had been pretty erratic and wild. So I think you're right to doubt him there. Not just because, you know, the the whole like the old guard scoffing is like, oh, you can't win at Wingfoot without hitting the fairway. Like that, that was that was put to rest this week. But in fact, he hadn't been playing his best. I found it fascinating. He talked last night about how he played a practice practice round. He went around with Phil. I think Phil is quite interested in listening to Bryson almost as much as, you know, normally when a younger player plays with Phil, you're doing a lot of the listening. But Bryson said he took from that Phil talking about 06 where uh, Phil obviously missed a ton of fairways and, you know, that was a successful week, whatever. It ended really poorly and that will be an ignominious moment that goes down in history. But Phil played really well to be there. And Phil told him, like, my short game got me through that entire week. Like, I was fabulous around the green, on the green. And Bryson took that to heart. I think it was Tuesday. And, like, went and practiced more of those short game shots, whether Mm -hmm. it's from the rough or the angles into the different bowls or slopes around so many of those greens. Like, he took that to heart. I think you were to sort of doubt him because the trends hadn't been there, but it it all came together this week. Yeah, it did. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, since COVID – Third at yep. the Schwab, eighth at RBC, sixth at the Travelers, first at the Rocket, as you mentioned. And when you look at that stretch, strokes gain off the tee. I mean, he's just crushing people, right? I mean, right. we're talking plus six, plus seven. The approach game's good. Short game still, eh, you know, not great. The touch still was not phenomenal. But then, you know, you get to the fourth at the PGA. He played good there. Um, but then, you know, you get into the playoffs. He missed the cut at the Northern Trust, 50th at the BMW. 
putted horrifically at Eastlake 22nd. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, okay, I'm seeing a decline in strokes gain off the tee. His approach game's not good. His touch is not good. Now that's one side of it. Then on the other side of it, you play this course where it's like, okay, I can bomb it off the tee. So if I miss fairways, I can still run it up to the front, right? So in a U.S. Mm-hmm. Open setup, and he works with Chris Como, who felt very good about this setup for Bryson, I think for a couple of those reasons, and I'm sure there's others, and he puts Poana very well. You know, it's like, okay, this is a good venue for him. So it's like there's two different sides of the coin. And as you know, golf can be, you can find it, right? And you find it in that week. And to your point, you go work on these short game shots. He had some beautiful short game shots. He had some beautiful approach game shots out of the fairway up to pin high. Uh, to me, that's the story. I mean, you know, like approach, short game, you already know you're getting the distance in the putting with him. Big, big improvement in those two areas. And uh, here he is, six-shot winner um, over Matthew Wolf from. And where, where is this, you know, dislike for Bryson that you can that you can kind of sense in here that's out there for him? Look, point blank, there's like a lot of nonsense that comes out mm-hmm. of his mouth. Like there, he dresses it up in a lot of flowery and vocabulary that language from vocabulary that maybe like the average sports writer might not understand and or golf writer or golf, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, organize tournament organizer. Like he uses words that are just foreign to a lot of tour pros. You hear it coming out of a lot of tour pros mouths. So like, there's a lot of fluff around him, but like you cannot doubt. So I think that there's some backlash around that. I want to live to be 140 years old. I think I know for a fact other players thought like they're just roll their eyes at him. Like this, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Um, uh, but I think like you cannot doubt his work, right? You cannot doubt the hard work. He's absolutely great for the game. He's great for, uh, content. As we say, he's just a fascinating personality. Someone the PGA tour should promote in total, right? In total, like the immaturity, like the tour won't necessarily promote that, but like that is part of what is drawing eyeballs to him. What makes him such a character that's worth, worth, uh, you know, spotlighting here, the, the character in full is how we should be uh, appreciating and understanding Bryson. And some of that bothers us, but you cannot doubt his work, despite, you know, the work he dresses up in kind of odd language that seems like, eh, does he really have a grasp of physics or does he just like throw the words out there that, you know, <laughs> and, you know, there are some people have debunked some things he said, of course, <laughs> but the work is perceptible, right? He's put on 40 mm-hmm. some pounds, 50 some pounds, whereas like, a lot of these pros, this isn't to say they work, don't work as hard, but it's done out of view, right? On the range back home or from, you know, dawn till dusk and all that. We can actually see physically manifest the work that Bryson has put in on his body. And I don't think you can really like hate on that, even as, you know, he uses some things, uses words and says some things and tries to appeal smarter than the other his co-colleagues. Um, it might bother them, but I, I think like the talent and work, the talent which exists because you don't win an NCAA title, you don't win a US amateur without talent. Like that was there before he was got all big and bulky, and all the professional wins before he got all big and bulky. So this is kind of a combination of uh, incredible talent, which you need, and the work that he decided and deliberately changed um, after an underwhelming run at the majors. He looked out and saw what Brooks you were talking about and saw what DJ had done. And was like, I got to start hitting it farther than even I am right now. He was always in mm-hmm. short, but I got to get even bigger and hit it even farther. So while he may bother some people with his rhetoric, I think it's hard to doubt the work and talent. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's really well said. Um, you, you can't argue with what he's done with Chris. He found his right guy in Chris Como. Yeah. And I and I called Chris right after they started this, right? As they came back from COVID, and I could see the difference statistically, and obviously you could physically see the difference in Bryson. And he came on the podcast back in, I think it was July, um, right after the Rocket Mortgage or right before, right, right in that area. And and we just kind of talked about what they were doing and, and yeah. how they were doing it. And, and you could sense from Chris, like, I don't know if he was nervous, but you know, obviously concern when you start making wholesale changes like this, you're changing oh. your body like this. And I think he really prepared him in that, look, let's leave some breadcrumbs along the way so we can kind of work our way back. But these are wholesale changes. We're talking 30 pounds. Um, you know, I think technically when you look at a swing, you have to, you got to look at it probably pretty closely to see some things, you know, he's swinging faster where I see the biggest difference. And Chris talked about this is in the preparation and the way that he kind of gets his muscles alive and ready to go and almost like firing himself up to, to run into the ring <laughs> of a WWW yeah. 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 <laughs> and the work continued Saturday night. Who's the last guy on the range, Brendan? Yeah. And he was doing the work Wednesday night, right? He was like calibrating yeah. his wedges was the thing, the term he used just because he wanted to see how they would fly in colder conditions when he would be playing earlier. Uh, so that, I, I think that's, isn't he like the perfect person to be this? I don't know if Guinea pigs, the right term, like this is who he is. I'm not sure. It's not just work, but like you mentioned with Chris, there's some, there's a level of, you need some courage here, some stones yeah, to really make yeah. these changes and so it's work and courage. And Bryson sort of exhibited that mm -hmm. from his earliest days, whether it's with the one length irons or it's trying, you know, face on putting, which some people understand as side settle, but was different. And he called it face on that then became, you know, illegal. Like he is the person with the stones to really go <laughs> to, you know, take this to extremes or take these two really outside of the box approaches. I'm not sure many pros who are out there who are making millions of dollars, which Bryson already was, would, um, I don't know if it's even trust, but just to have the courage to do this with in conjunction with Chris and, and, and like just overhaul what was already a successful career. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's impressive stuff. It, he's polarizing. He's interesting. He's great for the game. And I think you yeah. got to embrace all of it. Um, totally. Let's work down the leaderboard a little bit here. Okay. I, I want to, um, you know, the first name, obviously I think we got to talk about is Matthew Wolf, who, you know, for me is now starting to show the consistency in great play, right? We've seen it in, in spots. Uh, he held off Bryson, of course, for his lone win at the 3M open. And now we see him starting to show up more and more. He played great at the PGA. Uh, he was 16th at the BMW, which we know was another very difficult golf course at Olympia Fields. And here he is now, lone second at the U.S. Open. When you look at the young Matthew Wolf, what, what comes to your mind? Uh, I think he's you know, a, a phenom, superstar. He came down to earth a little bit in the fourth round, but not, you know, it wasn't a total implosion of any kind. What, what comes to mind, I think what I'll take away is that eagle putt he made on nine, right on top of Bryson. And it was similar, I was thinking, to 3M last year, right, where he's, he just bombs in this eagle putt across the green. Uh, I thought that was super impressive. It, he didn't have his best stuff. It was really contrary to people, you know, wailing about it but not being hard enough. Bryson just had like a historic final round. I think it was 
First guy since uh, Tiger in 2000 to play all four rounds of a U.S. Open a par or better. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't think we can look at Matthew Wolf and say that was any kind of disappointment. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting-edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs. Use of high-density particles and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls. They are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com slash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. I think you make really valid points about both, you know, DeChambeau and Wolf. Like these are rounded players. These guys, yeah, it's not just the distance. You're not looking deep enough. Yes, the distance is an advantage. I mean, there's no question. I mean, we see it. I'm not, I'm not denying that. But when your strokes gain positive in all of the metrics, that's that that needs to be stated, right? I mean, these are yeah. these are balanced players. Um, you know, Bryson was was one of the best in approach game. You know, Bryson was one of the best around the green. Bryson was one of the best with the flat stick. So yeah, Wolf is just checking it off, isn't he? I mean, he, like you get on tour, get comfortable, you know, then get in contention, then win. Right. Check, check, right? Now it's like, okay, now show us some consistency. He's starting to do that. Then get in contention in the major. Check. Now make some putts late on Sunday. Okay, well, you know, like he's, 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 He's moving. I mean, he's he's checking all the boxes. And I just I got to tell you, I love watching him play. Um, yeah. And and is it just me or is he not busting it past Bryson as much as Bryson is busting it past him off the tee? It's pretty close, man. It's like <laughs> nip and talk. I, I think you're right. It's not it's not like Bryson, you know, playing with Brendan Todd or something like <laughs> right. it, it, it's, it, you know, Matthew Wolf is right there with him. And I think like we got to remember it was his first U.S. Open ever, yes. you know, his second major championship. Uh, so let's not go crazy here. I think there hadn't been a, a U.S. Open winner, a rookie U.S. Open winner since like 19, I think it was Francis who met. Yes. And so like that just doesn't happen. So I think we have to have a little bit of context. Wolf, um, he seems like a different cat. He's, he's really like he's got a little bit of a demeanor to do this and, mm-hmm. you know, at least be in the final group. And his very first U.S. Open, I think we kind of forget that a little he's, bit. He's got the demeanor. These guys are showing up, yeah. hat on backwards. He's like sure. texting right before he's teeing off. He's probably like making dinner reservations or something. <laughs> I mean, it's sure. his, you know, fourth at the PGA, second at the U.S. Open. I mean, come on. I mean, this is yeah. incredible stuff. Incredible yep. stuff. I, I just, I can't overstate what we've seen from Matthew Wolf in the last three months. I mean, it has been great stuff. So yeah, it's, it's fun, right? You know, Morikawa right there, same age, of course, wins the PGA, you know, Hovland's not far behind. Um, yeah, he's got to sure up the short game, but the kid can strike his golf ball. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. ridiculous. So it, man, you know, Sanjay M he's right there. I was really yeah. bummed for Scotty Scheffler, um, you know, that yeah. he wasn't able to play. We want to talk about a golf course made for him. Um, so yeah, wow. A lot of, a lot of young players. And there's another one, 
um, that I want to get to here in a second, but I want to throw a few more names at you. Work down the leaderboard here. There's there's the X Man. He's getting close. Um, his game obviously built for the uh, U.S. Open. Xander Schauffele finished fifth at uh, plus four. DJ kind of ho hummed it there. T six. Get to T six. And well, let me come back to him. Let's go to T eight here first. There's Rory. Okay. JT. Finau, Zach, anybody jump out there for you? I mean, Rory, not his best once again, um, late in the championship, but uh, JT certainly showed some frustration there down the stretch on the weekend. Finau, once again, close. A lot of big names up there. Anybody jump out, good or bad, as far as that group? I mean, Rory, we didn't, Rory had not been playing well. I was surprised, with, sort of surprised with this opening round. Then he looked awful on Friday. I had higher hopes for him on Sunday. I wish, you know, it was gone. First hole, like after the first hole, whatever his finishing number, he says 75 or something like, you know, I take less away from that. than he was done after the first hole, which was so frustrating about that was kind of what we've seen from Rory at times. Absolutely mass drive, perfect drive down the middle, then an underwhelming to poor chip shot that's short and then four putts and a double bogey after a perfect drive. You know, and Zach Johnson, uh, who kind of smothered a drive into the rough, you know, comes out with a lower number on the hole. And that was it for Rory. He was already like, you know, his probability to win was, I think, under 3%. It was launch shot. He was going to have to do some like Johnny Miller type stuff. But it was just disappointing to see that right out of the gate. And in the manner what you'd almost rather him bomb a drive like off the planet and have to scramble and make a double than hit a perfect drive and just kind of kick it coming in. That was disappointing. But I was surprised he played as well as he did, quite honestly, given the way, you know, you know, he's got all sorts of stuff going on in his personal life with the new child and all that. And uh, he hadn't played well since the restart. He seems like he needs fans around. Like, that's a disadvantage to not have fans around backing him. He's a fan favorite, and rightfully so. Um, so I was a little surprised by that, that he contended, then also disappointed, you know, when he started that way. DJ, I don't know. What can you say? Uh, he's... He's player of the year. He's incredibly talented. And, you know, it was like so set up and overwhelming, not overwhelming, but a heavy favorite at the start of the week set Mm -hmm. up and just didn't really have the form that we saw through the playoffs. The bigger takeaway is like, I don't think anybody was really catching Bryson the way he played on Sunday. Um, Bryson played well through the first three rounds and then played sort of at a different level than everyone else on Sunday. And I, I don't think it mattered what anyone did. Yeah, I mean, it's he was he was clearly the head and shoulders the best player, um, especially yeah. especially on the weekend. I mean, he just yeah. was the best player on the weekend. DJ finishing at plus five, eleven shots back, and then another guy right there with him that I think has to be over the moon right now. And I talked about him last week coming in uh, on this gambling podcast as kind of a sleeper, and that was Will Zalatoris. And, you know, you look at Will and the kind of player that he is uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour. I'm like, look, this guy hits it a long ways and he doesn't spray it. <laughs> I mean, it's like like yeah. that, like that travels, you know. Um, yeah. Give me a good putting week and Will Zalatoris is going to make the cut, you know, and not only make the cut, but he shoots one over um, on Sunday. Almost had two hole in ones on Thursday. Should have had the yeah. one. Yes. The second one hit yes. the flag. It should have went in. He got robbed. Uh, he did. Uh, man, and, and what, what a performance. He, he has to be stoked. I mean, this is, here comes now the next wave of young players. And what do they have in mind? Wills Altours hits at 315 off the tee. And he's not that erratic 
Brandon. You like Will? Yeah, love Will. And kind of anybody paying attention should have loved Will coming into this week. He's been, you know, lights out on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, And I think he just demonstrated it on a really tough major championship setup. He's had the pedigree like, you know, through college, you know, was a great college player, good amateur career. He's worked on his game. I know he's worked with Scott Fawcett on all the, the sort of strategy stuff, game planning stuff. Um, and the way he's been put, the, the putting is the biggest issue, right? The putting can get kind of ghastly yeah. at times, right? Because he's so talented everywhere else. Um, the, the putting would be an issue, but he demonstrated it. He's demonstrated it on the Corn Ferry Tour this season. And then he just demonstrated it against, you know, in the toughest test in golf, as they call it. What's unfortunate, quite honestly, is that due to COVID, he can't bump it up and do this more at the mm-hmm. highest level. You know, I guess he could get the battlefield promotion, which, he might be knocking on the doorstep for, but you know, this is a player, I think on the corn ferry that like his OWGR is, you know, better than a lot of players with their card. And I think data golf had something where he's like really more of a top 30, top 30, top 40 player in the world right now. And just because he's not up on the big tour doesn't necessarily mean that he, he didn't belong there this week. And to see him, get around really successfully. It was completely unsurprising, super exciting talent, super excited to get him out on, on the big tour. Uh, maybe he gets that battlefield promotion, which we didn't have to wait, you know, a whole yeah. other year. Yeah. You just kind of get the feeling if he was going into the fall swing, right. On the PGA tour that he would just kind of seamlessly get totally. out there, get out there and start making cuts and making some money and competing. I mean, his, his game is going to make the jump. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, to watch him play so well, you know, I'm, I'm now I'm scrolling down the leaderboard, Brendan, and I'm now officially into the miscut section. Okay. And there's, there, <laughs> there's two names here. There's tiger, right? Plus okay. 10. What's your, what's your take on tiger? What, what, what are you saying? I mean, I, I see a, you know, guy in his forties, right. Who, Hey, careful um, with that. You're talking to one here. No, no, no. I know. A guy who's had a back fused and, knee no knee surgery all this stuff he's he's in his 40s at this point and just having him tee it up was kind of a long shot several years ago a couple of years ago right just having the ability to play golf or the ability to stand and walk tiger's the only guy that we're going to see every single shot of even when he's not in contention even when he doesn't have a shot maybe at the start of the week but we have to watch it from you know the first tee to the 18th hole and i, I think it's hard to take any doom and gloom or uh, out of, out of a missed cut. I just do like, he hasn't really been that all season. Um, I don't know where the guy was at the Zozo where that went, uh, which I think, you know, his week at the Zozo was a little bit of a surprise in and of itself, given we hadn't seen him for so long. And and last year ended pretty underwhelmingly after his master's win. Uh, I just, this is who he is. It's a little bit of a trick or treat scenario. U.S. Open at Wingfoot. He's not the longest player. He's far from the longest player anymore. Uh, you know, his back has issues. Certainly in a September climate in the Northeast, I, I didn't really have high hopes for him for those reasons. And the fact that he's not had a great season in whatever how many starts it was five six starts. Does that mean this is a disappointment? No, I think it's just the new reality or it is the reality of Tiger. I, I don't get high hopes if we get him contending. I assume it'll be at a Masters or an Open Championship. Um, 
if, if we get him contending, it's a bonus. And I think we just need to be happy he's out there. I don't yeah. know that it makes watching him that, you know, exciting, but because he's one of the great, you know, one of the goats or the goat, uh, he's good. We're going to see every shot. I just love to see it more on like a Royal Melbourne type where it's absolutely like just a thrill to watch him at the President's Cup last year. But again, even there, when he's, you know, throwing 100 on the radar gun, like he had to take a whole day off at, at President's Cup. You can't do that in a major championship. So I think it's, it's just got to pick his spots and pick his venues, pick his championships. And I don't take I'm not like down on him after this week at all. I think MC was pretty expected. Yeah, he looked he, he looked a little slower on Friday, you know, just moving around. Yeah. He just, I mean, to your point, he looked 44, right? Um, right. And with the fuse back and he just kind of looked like he was trying to hold it together and get himself around. And I don't know, well, it well, felt like a big place to big golf course for him. And, you know, with the sensitivity of the back, he didn't look quite a hundred percent to me on Friday. What's going on with the putter? I mean, you would know that better than, uh, you know, better than I would. Like, it just seems like the putting has been somewhat of an uh, unexpected tumble yeah. this summer and then it, it wasn't you know ideal again this week yeah you know i know matt killen was another set of eyes for him um on the putter and i mean i, I think when you look at it on the surface it, it things haven't really gotten better there you know i mean he's he's not rolling the ball very well his distance control is off um i'm sure there's a little bit of erosion in skill as you get older right he's not the totally. same player and putter but boy it feels a little like there's some search, you know, um, mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. what's going on with the flat stick and he, and he hasn't, and he hasn't found that, you know, now we go back to the masters. Of course, he, he, he knows a thing or two about Augusta, but right. you know, in November it's going to be chilly. It could be, I mean, for crying out loud, it could be just wet and cold, you know, I mean, yeah. who knows? And that's not going to bode well for him. So you hope for warmer conditions, um, when we get up there, which is our next two major championships, which is strange to say, both are going to entail a green jacket. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's crazy is like as expected as, you know, or as unsurprising as the MC this week is, it wouldn't, you know, be surprising to see him contend at the masters. I know that the climate and the time of year is not going to be benevolent to him, but like, you know, he could have the most horrific stretch of golf going into the masters. And that is a place he knows how to get around, obviously. Yeah. Augusta National, we saw it. He got through it. You know, it's, sometimes it's a war of attrition type where he's waiting for Francesco to make his mistake. Other times it's like knowing how to hit the best lag putt of anyone in the field, things like that. So, yeah, his game might be in rough shape, but, you know, it wouldn't be surprising again to see him, you know, at least be respectable, if not content. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, there's horses so. for courses. There's no question. Sure. I mean, Tiger... Sure. Tiger knows a thing or two about Augusta National. I mean, if, if he had to pick a Tiger, let's pick one course to win your 16th major. Which one's it going to be? I mean, I, I think mm -hmm. that's probably right. one. So, right. yeah, we'll have to wait and see. There's going to be a lot of rest here in between. And, you know, you hope for warmer conditions. And there's really a couple more names here as I'm just kind of looking through here. I don't know what Justin Rose is doing. Um, that, that's one guy that I just can't quite put my finger on exactly what he's trying to do with his golf game with through the equipment changes and sure. instruction changes. And I, I just, you know, he's, he's plus 10, but here's one here for you. I mean, have we just reached the, the, the spot of insanity for Jordan Spieth at this point, misses a cut at plus 14. I mean, the guy's just doing the same thing over and over again. And yet I just keep seeing the same results. Yeah, this was, um, 
this was a venue, a championship that was really going to expose all the issues, right? Like you can kind of maybe put it together with smoke and mirrors at a, I don't know, at a colonial or something like that, right? Where he was okay and kind of in the mix. It was a bit of a roller coaster, but it, you know, he was in the mix. This exposed him quickly. Um, I don't think, again, it was surprising to see he is someone who doesn't hide. You know, he's very emotive, right? He's emotive on the range. He's emotive in the microphone. And I, I think to his credit, he's very candid about it right now. Like you understand that it is an absolute grind. You understand he comes out and says he's lost. He doesn't know t- technically what, you know, what the way out is. He just knows it's a grind, right? It, there has to be work done. I'm not sure if he had the answers, you know, he would be in a better spot. Uh, now, like, it feels like it's like, at what point do we get the, do we hit this, you know, reach the tipping point where it's like, all right, it's enough grinding this way or doing it this way. It's been since Royal Burkdale 2017 that it's not looked super uncompetitive, right? Yeah. It's, it's so bad. It's all directions. It's off the tee. It's approaching the green. You know, the, the putter can be fickle from week to week and you can kind of cover up some things with some putting, but like, it's really, really bad from the tee to the green. And I, it feels like we've hit the tipping point. We maybe should have hit the tipping point a while ago of just, I don't know if it's changing what you're doing, changing who's around you. The, the fact of the matter is like the best year of his career might've been 2015 early in his career, but yeah. like the fact that, and that's fine, but he's like not competitive anymore. Then there's like a big gap between the best year of your career and not being competitive. He's too talented. Yeah. Oh no, he is. And he still puts together a score, which to me is amazing. Like he still has the genius to score. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's unsolvable. I just think he has to start another chapter where in that chapter begins with the driver off the tee and, and finding the fairways and then finding more fairways, or I wouldn't even say fairways, just less spray, you know, the mist tighten up yeah. the mist where you're not hitting it 20 yards right on one and then 30 yards left on three. You start tightening up the dispersion off the tee. Now the confidence starts to build and you let George Spieth go to work, right? I mean, he's he can still score. I don't think this is he's going to go completely away, but I do think we're reaching a point where it's I don't feel bad for him. Like, it's kind of like you're doing the same thing here. You know, it's like you have to, at some point, you've got to take some ownership here and and solve this uh, a different way. So it's going to be interesting to me with Spieth and Tiger. Oh, you can take some time off after this little run here. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, know, listen, I'm pumped for the fall. You know, like I'm pumped for the Masters, November Masters. It's going to be extremely cool to see. But I think actually it'll be cool to see some of these you know, what would normally be the Asian swing kind of in the Western United States doing some prime time. So I don't know that like, I'll just, I'm not going to hibernate here, but it, uh, <laughs> this was really a sort of a marquee event, obviously. We'll, we'll, we'll come down a little bit and then get ramped up for the Masters, some of those West Coast. Well, here's where we're going to go. We're going Corrales, uh, Putacana Resort and Club Championship. That's what's this yeah. week. Um, yep. defending champion Graham McDowell. Then we go in October, Sanderson Farms. Then we go Shriners. The CJ Cup will be at Shadow Creek. Then Zoza will be at Sherwood. Uh, Bermuda Championship. Then in November, we go Houston and over to Augusta. Is there, last question, any a name a, or two storyline that as you kind of get into the fall, right? I and mean, a lot of these big names are going to, you know, kind of shut it down here for a little bit. But uh, is there a name that maybe we're not thinking about or two that you're kind of like, gosh, I'm kind of interested to 
to watch this as we kind of roll through the fall series? Uh, I, I'm a little interested in Cameron Champ. He's won twice now in the fall. He won Sanderson and Safeway. It seems to be a stretch that's been comfortable for him. Fascinating to see like, what he does with the master. I think Jeff Ogilvy a couple of years joked like he could drive the first green. Champ could drive the first green at Augusta National. I, I think it's a little <laughs> tongue in cheek, but maybe he could probably get it up there a little bit if he cuts one, you know, you know, just right. So like I, I think he's someone. He's he's in the field. He's someone to watch. He's played. You know, I thought he was pretty impressive. He's up and down, right? He's up and yeah. down. He can yeah. really go go away. It was impressive at the PGA to really see him contend there. That it was a little ugly there in the playoffs. I'm fascinated to watch him in the fall, like with an eye towards Augusta and just seeing aesthetically what he does to mm-hmm. that course and maybe how the members react to what he's doing, what Bryson's doing. Bryson's talking about playing up the 14th fairway when he's in 13. You know, just crazy stuff. So I'm just fascinated to see how some of these guys. Because uh, Champ is just, he's the leading edge of a whole generation that's coming, yep, right? Finau, yep. uh, you know, is there too. They're, they're hitting it this far with control, right? They're not even taking a 100% swing. So I'm just fascinated to see those guys as as the game evolves. Yeah, yeah, me too. I like Champ. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to watch Shuffler um, and as he kind sure. of continues his great play. And 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 the last name for me, uh, give me more Thomas Peters, please. I, I want Thomas oh, Peters yeah. more in the United States. I don't know if that's going to happen. I was really happy to see him play well. I I, I like Thomas Peters. Um, he kind of jumped on the screen for me at, at the Olympics when he hit it 30 yards past Bub on the first hole. I was like, yeah. who just hit that drive, right? Like, what just yeah. happened there? <laughs> yeah. Um. So I, I like Thomas Peters. I, I think I'd be interested to to watch him more over here. I don't know if it'll happen, but that's the game. All those guys, they can get it out there and um, the fall series will be fun. Take some time off though. Don't, don't work too much. This is the time to watch. Some, <laughs> this is the time to watch some football and, you know, kind of, yep. and do that's some right. other things. Cause we'll get to Augusta soon enough. So Brendan, I can't thank you enough, man, uh, for jumping on the podcast. Uh, check out Brendan's uh, podcast. He's got one of his own. It's called the shotgun start. Where can they find that at? Uh, it's everywhere. I mean, Apple, Spotify, we try to release it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, although with COVID, like there's no more commutes. So usually it's out Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday night, you know, it's Apple, Spotify, all those places where you get podcasts, but I appreciate you having me on Travis. Yeah, you bet. Good stuff. I enjoyed the conversation. Have a great week and we'll do it again.